Hello and welcome in to another episode of the only Loyola Chicago ranked basketball podcast in the world that I know of. Uh, it is episode 17, season three, and we have a lot to talk about on this week's episode. A lot of good things, some not so good things, uh, some national coverage, which are always good things. And we have a question from a fan this week, which I think is going to be highly debated between me and Lou. Lou, are you ready to lose a debate? Um, you know what? Like our sad Ramblers lost a game, I think you win some, you lose some. We'll figure it out, and we'll find out. Yep. All right, well, make sure to stay tuned, and don't forget, go Blairs. And welcome back. So, uh, first thing we get to talk about is that we stayed at number 22 in the nation, which um, I think we both agreed is is really surprising. Yeah. I thought, yeah, I thought, we both thought there was a chance we might stay, like, at 25, like, to drop almost out of it, um, just based on, like, how the AP ranking kind of um doesn't really favor mid-majors uh not at all usually one loss and you're out um i guess things are a little different this year um especially just with our opponent i mean i think it was nice that drake actually got to be ranked before us um because then there was some chatter about them and their winning streak i think helped out a lot and also i think winning by 27 points on the road to a you know top 30 team um was probably pretty beneficial. Uh, and then, then then when they saw the second game, um, I think they really saw, you know, good, the voters saw good defense. Um, obviously, I was struggling on offense, which we'll talk about, but a hard-fought game. Um, so the voters rewarded us by staying at number 22. There's a big divide between, like, 22 and 20 um, as far as votes go. But for now, we're still ranked, and I think if we win out, we'll still be ranked. Um, so what what was your reaction when you found out we were still ranked? I was in a slew of, I think, three and a half hour meetings and my phone was on silent. And I really I'll be honest with you. And this is I got to I didn't expect to get notifications about us being ranked. I definitely received votes. Definitely thought we'd be receiving votes. And then when I saw, I think on Instagram, it said number 22. And I thought this was a pick from a week ago because, you know, Instagram's time formulas. You just think they message it with your head. No, we were ranked 22, so absolute shocked, but absolute then filled with excitement because yesterday just was um, really, really reminded me of the feeling I felt after losing to Valpo in the first round or our first round, again, the second round of Arch Madness last year. It just was like really upsetting because we played such a hard-fought game, and then you see this great news. And I think one thing that really excited me is just the national attention, the exposure our program's getting, but the team's getting. These guys are getting talked about from guys who are saying, like, I, I think what Ken Palm has, Cam in his top six for player of the year. Um, people are talking about Cam. There, People are mentioning the impact he's on. They're all bringing up his facts. So just getting our name, the Loyola Rambler name out there. Again, this is how excited I was when Sister Jean became famous international famous and i think this is how i'm feeling too about us just consistently being recognized and getting recognized at 22 i'm very happy with and if anyone's upset with it i think you gotta you gotta slow your roll 
I think this is a blessing that we did not lose a spot. Um, and it's it's now our it's ours to lose. This was kind of a gift given after the great week we weekend we had. We played a quad one team. Uh, great, uh, great games. I think they were great, tough games. And I think now it's ours to lose. But I think we are in the driver's seat to move ahead in the rankings. Yeah, I think I think one of the things that you touched on, <clears throat> which we'll probably talk a lot about here, is the national attention. I think having both games on ESPN two was actually really beneficial for us. Um, if we would have lost and played on ESPN plus and not a lot of people saw it and we lose by one and overtime, it's like, Oh, why didn't they win? But people, if they wanted to um, watch it and it was, you know, Saturday and Sunday, mid afternoon, what else are you doing? It's snowing across the whole country right now. <laughs> um, people tuned in and they saw that we have the best, objectively the best defense in, in college basketball um, as far, as far as like points per game, but also a lot of, efficiency um statistics as well um saw that both games um that didn't change honestly probably our defense was better in game two than in game one um and and they saw that and they saw a team that can put up 80 plus points and 50 and a half and then unfortunately the next day struggled to score 10 points over the last 10 minutes of the game so i think voters saw look this team has the best defense they're good it's sometimes great on offense but usually good um and i think they rewarded us for beating a team uh that handedly by 27 and then you know we had our chances which we'll talk about and you know one ball bounces a different way one whistle blows a different way you know it, it's it, we're, we're winning that game by one instead of losing so um i i'm like you said too if anyone doesn't like this ranking they're crazy because there's, I really didn't, I, we both really didn't think we'd be here again. So um, let's, win, let's win the rest of them and, and uh, make sure our, the voters have no reason to take us out of the top 25 anymore. Um, but uh, I did kind of want to segue into more national news coverage. Um, Lou, you said it best uh, when we were talking beforehand about, oh, what, what stories are, go- are we going to talk about? So why don't you, what was your what was your description about how we're going to talk about these next couple stories? Yeah, I think the way we, this weekend has gone and the way the results after, I think our boys and our team has received so much national attention from both articles to uh, Portigan interviewed. I think I saw a John Rothstein article written today. Um, I think... From also then the trash talking, which you kind of love to see, love getting the conference name out there, love seeing two gritty teams go at it. I think we've kind of let the social media go at it uh, with the talking, and I think the two stories we want to talk about are just uplifting our guys, uh, great stories. I think one really impactful to the culture, and another one I also think impactful to the culture, just uh, maybe on a lifts everyone's spirit up, and um, I think both are just great things to uh, hear about what our guys are doing out off the court. Yeah, so you said it. You said it pretty well there. Um, the first one I think is kind of the more serious one that I want to talk about, and then we can get a little lighthearted. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but there's an article in the Chicago Tribune this week, uh, this weekend, from Shannon Ryan about Lucas Williamson and um, his narration, and also being a co-writer on the documentary that's set to come out about the Ramblers 1963 team uh, title team, and. Um, the the header it's a quote from lucas and it says this is a story about history but that history is still relevant and so he kind of talks about in the at least in the interview about how the team changed the sport forever 
Um, not only did they um, start and play black players, which was uh, really uh, groundbreaking at the time, but they won. They won a national championship, which is makes it all the more sweeter. Um, he talked about how when they went to the uh, to play games in the South, how um, they were treated uh, or mistreated, I should say. Um, and um, he, he says, I don't know how they were even able to focus on a basketball game when they had uh, when they were also going out there breaking uh, racial barriers. So um, if anyone hasn't read it, it's a really great article. Um, we love Shannon Ryan around these parts. We do not tolerate any Shannon Ryan slander because she has covered our team for the better part of three years now and uh, always does a great job. Um, <clears throat> Lou, and any thoughts on, on the Lucas story? Yeah, and it's kind of they kind of touched on the the, the uh, commentators of the games touched on this because they brought it up, and then I read the article, which was great. And it is kind of crazy. Just for some backstories, our 1963 team um, had four African-American starters. Now, people might know that I think Disney made the movie called Glory Road, where in 1968, I believe, um, Texas Rio uh, Grande, I think Rio, yeah, Valley or something like that, they mm-hmm. started uh, five African-Americans. Um, and that was the first time ever. Um, but uh, not saying one or the other, but it is kind of crazy to think that our Ramblers had a part in history of starting this kind of, these breaking these barriers. And again, just for context, they had to hide in trucks. And I believe it was when they went to go play in either Mississippi State or Ole Miss, one of the Mississippi schools, um, because the town and the state did not want the four African-American starters or any African-American player at that time from our Loyola Ramblers to play. Uh, we eventually then uh, beat Mississippi. Mississippi uh, connected with us, and they wanted to play the game. They realized this was the game of change. So it was just kind of crazy to really think that as Lucas said, and I think he said, is like it's relevant today more than ever sometimes. So it is really, uh, it, it, I think it's crazy personally how um, a team in 1963 can really affect and make an impact to a team in 2021, but all for the better. And I really love seeing, and again, we've talked about it throughout the year, I think even commentators at the games, talked about how great Lucas is off the court as well, mm-hmm. as well as a leader on the court. And I think he's just one to want to just not just defend the ball, uh, but defend his his guys off and on the court. And I think it's just great to see him. And again, like you said, Shannon and Ryan, I think did a great article and it's just really cool. Also just to see um, a documentary being made about it. Cause I think it's a story that I think everyone has, every team has a great story. And I think this is kind of one of those founding stories that is great to have for our team. Yeah. And for anyone who doesn't know, uh, Lucas is a journalism major. So if you're wondering, Oh, what, you know, what right does he have doing this? Uh, it's what he's studying. It's what he wants to do uh, for the rest of his life. Um, and also, he did write an article in our um, uh, university's newspaper, The Phoenix, um, back in, I think this past summer. Um, it was like a guest spot. So shout out to The Phoenix. Um, it was called Racism, a Plague that Haunts the United States. So um, he's not new to this, um, but it is definitely kind of a different level um, of importance and a different level of, uh, um, it's got it's got more weight to it. So uh just want to give a little backstory there, um, but Lucas, we applaud you. Um, one of the easiest guys I've ever rooted for in my whole life in any sport. Um, so, uh, but moving from the seriousness of that to the silliness of this next article, um, there was an article written about Cameron Crowe. There was a bunch this past week, but one of the 
uh, most fun I've ever had reading an article was um, about Cameron Crutwig and uh, walk on Will Alcock and how uh, they have a ragtag sort of duet uh, group where uh, Will, who actually plays the saxophone and I think is like trained or self-taught or uh, he knows how to play the saxophone. And then Cam, who uh, it has picked up a harmonica and decided that he's good at it. Um, they have kind of come together and, and they kind of jam with each other occasionally. Um, I think, I think I forget who, if it was Will or Cam, but they kind of described it as Will will usually play some music and then Cam will try to play over him with the harmonica. Um, he's brought it on road trips and apparently the guys kind of, you know, he'll play it on the bus or whatever. And, and the guys just, they kind of let him do his own thing. They laugh at it. I think it's pretty funny. So uh, I really liked it. One of my favorite things was someone replied to the tweet about it and said how cool it would be if um, fans were allowed in Gentile and people brought harmonicas and played their harmonicas every time he scored, which I is like such a fun image. I oh, I wish the world was a different place right now because that would just be so much fun. Um, Lou, what were your thoughts on that that article about Cam? It was just trying. It was re- it was really hard not to try to figure out how he doesn't get one of his mustache hairs caught in the harmonica. Like that's <laughs> yeah. what it was really. I just, again, pure enjoyment and just uh, an article. Yeah. It's a silly article, but it's one of those articles, which I think really just resonates how the culture is about these guys on and off the court with, with Lucas and cam. They're just looking for the betterment, whether it's cam just being a fun guy and then Lucas taking it serious about off court activities. It's just so great. And the thing that I loved is that Will Alcott got a mention. Like, I think that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Just talking about things. So it, it was really just an enjoyment of these articles. And again, like you said, there were a lot of articles being talked about. But I think these two, like we discussed, were really, really great to see because it just shows how fun and uh, uh, dedicated these guys are to, like, being part of, like, their program, making a good impact. And it was just really fun. But like this article with the harmonica, I just you couldn't stop smiling. You couldn't because like my thing is like how great would it have been? And maybe we'll see it next year. We don't know. We're not making. We don't know any history. Um, but what if Cameron Crowley comes back for a senior night where he just plays a harmonica solo <laughs> for us? Like that would just be an amazing feat. Um, but it would be kind of funny now. Let's be honest. I don't know who's doing the music, but if I start hearing after Cam puts a bucket in. A little mm-hmm. harmonica, a little go, or something. I don't know what it. I don't. Someone can maybe tell me the better way to put in a harmonica, but he's shushing the away fans. So maybe when we're home, we can put in a nice little harmonica, little uh, little thing, or just have Will play the saxophone. I think. Yeah, I love that. Like, th- that could be another thing too. As long as Will's practicing safe, I don't want him spitting all over everyone because I know that's a hard thing. Just like there you go. So I think it was fun, enjoy to read. I enjoyed every single second of both articles. They're great to see and they make you smile and make you laugh. I think that's the best thing you get out of these guys. Yeah. Um, just to uh, put a bow on this one. Um, it was uh, from Matt Norlander and it was on CBS sports. Uh, if anyone wants to look it up or read it. Um, I've read a lot of things about Cameron Crutwig and I, I tweeted this out, but this was my favorite thing I think I've ever read about him. It just humanizes him. Like everyone, at least I know he's a goofball, but I actually sent it to my dad who he's a big sports fan, but he's not like, you know, he listens to me when I rant about Loyola for an hour, but he doesn't really listen. Um, I sent him this article because he likes reading stuff and he said something back like, wow, I didn't realize uh, he was this fun. I didn't realize he was this funny or something like that. 
I always thought he was a serious guy. And and this that's kind of the cool thing about having national coverage is like other people get to know what we know. Like we know he's weird. We know he's superstitious. We know like he's a goofball, but like other people don't know that. Um, and, and why would they? Because, you know, there's not a lot of stuff out there to read about him or not a lot of outlets um, that are, are reporting on the team. So it's just super fun to have this kind of coverage. Uh, it's fun for us because we get to read these unique stories, which we don't, you know, we've never heard. And it's fun to like share um, experiences with other people who might not uh, learn about Loyola any other way. Um, so I don't know, Lou, any last thoughts on sort of the national coverage this past week? I think uh, to get some national coverage is great. And to get stories out of it like this, you, you've learned new things. Like you said, I don't think we would have really maybe heard about this unless it was at Phoenix is pretty good at finding articles like this, but also mm-hmm. just to get it even more out there. Um, learn more about the guys. I think is great. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, well, I think it's time we moved into the, uh, games portion of the podcast. Um, because we did have two games this past weekend, okay. uh, Going into the weekend, we had a win streak of, was it 9 or 10? 10. Going into the weekend, 10, yeah. 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 Um, you know, big, huge matchup. Drake was formally ranked uh, two weeks before this. Um, they had just lost their uh, lead scorer, Tank Hemphill, to an injury. Hopefully he's able to come back quickly. Um, and there was lots of hype about, about these games. Um, two back-to-back games. Teams that are, you know, top 30 material, um, lots of buildup, lots of talk about MVC having two bids, which, you know, we've been talking on the podcast for for a month now. Um, but lots of stuff, you know, lots of uh, pregame um, hype. And our Ramblers lived up to the hype, at least in game one. Um, they came out, they, uh, I think they were a little jittery, honestly. Uh, they've been off for six, seven days. Um into halftime, it was 34-31. But it just kind of felt like they were just waiting to break out, uh, at least in my opinion. Um, they missed a couple of shots. Uh, they, um, I felt like a couple of shots from Drake were just rattling in. I was complaining about the soft rims because I have never seen balls bounce on the rim of a basketball hoop more times and go in than I've ever seen um, that day. But... The final score of the first game ended up being 81 to 54. Uh, Loyola did come out of the break, and uh, they took the second half by a score of 50 to 20. So, um, lots of good stuff. Lou, where do you want to start about this game? Uh, with the first game, I think it was such a gritty first half that I wasn't upset or just like disappointed i think i was like okay this is our first time playing drake all year um this is um an interesting kind of situation and that's really what it was in the beginning for me um i wasn't i think we i was looking for that kind of uh hot start um again drake really was just taking advantage i think it was them for a good bit and then us so the leads kept changing it was kind of back and forth for a little bit. So nothing really too crazy. But it really, for me, then I think it was just really showed you how other guys could nearly kind of step out and make that performance. And the second half really showed that uh, from here 
really shown me a different type of mindset to then uh, Cam playing, I think, somewhat nearly some of the smartest basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I've really seen him play this year. I'm not saying smartest. Oh, I, again, there are probably games he. I think he was really, really smart, especially at three at you and I, against you and I. Great mm-hmm. play. But this game really, really made me think, like, hey, Cam's got the goods. Like, he was smart. He was heads up. Um, so, overall, I was really excited about the first half. I think um, I wasn't at all shocked. Second half, though, I'm not going to lie. I just, like, didn't realize we nearly took a 20-point lead at one point. I think I, ha- I rewatched five minutes of that second half because I was like, where did this lead come from? Where did this massive 20 lead really go? Because mm-hmm. we went on, and I was I was following it. We went on that, uh, what, 9-0 run, mm-hmm. I think, and then they called a timeout. And I was like, okay, boom, 9-0 run, here we go. And then it was just like, wait, we're at, we're at, we're at 20. Like, mm-hmm. we, we're at, we're at there. We're, we're with, we had 20 point lead. And then it just like, it just snowballed into all of a sudden we got, Bench guys playing good minutes. We had, and then at the end there, I think uh, Pax and Wojcik got a beautiful layup. So like, this game overall really just snowballed into the fight from the first half. Just bursted open the gates, and we just exploded to scoring efficiency, to just really defending the ball great in the second half. I think that was key. But in the second half, we were seventy percent from field goal, like just seventy percent from field goal. That mm-hmm. really really got me excited and then we hold drake to 30 percent from field goal no threes in the second half from drake they only made three threes the entire game three in the first half so that was i think huge so just really exciting things were clicking i think i don't know what i would love to have been a fly on the walls in this halftime just to learn what was going on so i'll leave it to you to talk about individual players Mm -hmm. i'd love to see your take but overall the team i think the first half is what i expected first time playing drake the team who was undefeated until a week before and then the second half just I was very shocked and excited to see that's how we can play yeah I think I we had to talk about Uguak um 20 points five rebounds one steal um I mean dude was just playing possessed like I mean he looked so good he looked like a completely different player even we'll talk about it in game two he even looked pretty good in game two at least scoring the ball um he He's scoring off of the bounce. He's getting. He had an offensive rebound and a putback. Fast break points. Um, he didn't yeah, make a dunks, three in this I think. game. Yeah, he had right, dunks in both games. Yeah, um, four for five from free throw line. I mean, he was just super efficient. Uh, he was eight for ten total. He missed his one three pointer, so that means he was eight of nine on two point field goals, and four for five from the free throw line. Um, I think it was Kevin Sweeney who tweeted about how. Um, Uguak, the past two years, he was being played because of his defense. Like, his offense was not good. Like, bad. And to see this player now, he has, like, leaps and bounds. And I don't know. It might just be a confidence thing, quite honestly. For him to be able to shoot the three, make a three every once in a while, um, you know, that draws defenders out. They have to respect the fact that he can shoot three-pointers. And then he can backdoor. He can... uh, come around on screens from cam. Um, and then if they're not respecting him from three, he'll shoot a three and he'll like in the second game, he made one. So, I mean, he is just, I honestly, he might sneak onto like a third team all Valley. Oh, would, easily. Oh, yeah. easily. No, he, I agree. 
he has had some really, really strong games. And this one in particular, it's kind of crazy that he didn't win player of the week, quite honestly. I thought maybe he had a chance at that. But unfortunately, you know, we didn't win both games. Um, And just on top of that, he's just still a great defender on defense. Getting guard one through four. Um, He's quick. He can can stay in front of Roman Penn, uh, affect shots down low. Um, Yeah, I think he's... He's got a shot to not only uh, make it on to like a all defense team, and I, I think he can be uh, a third team all valley too. Um, do you want me to talk about more players, or do you want to talk about Ubach? Just around the fact that you're mentioning, I think the progression he's had just easily one of the most shy. We saw that at the Creighton game, like that one little spurt of like, oh my god, Ubach's got the skill. And until now, I think this season from North Texas to the, just the consistency, in my opinion, my favorite highlight of Ugog is just how he plays with Cam. Mm-hmm. But for him to be able to score on a team like we like Porter said, like multiple people said, this depth is any guy, anybody can score night kind of thing. For him to be able to find consistency at some points just really, really uh, makes me excited um, for uh, the rest of the season um, and just what he's already done. So happy to see it again. 11, uh, 20 points is great. I think player of the game is, or at least well, that's what ESPN2 kind of said. Um, so just really excited. Um, and I think toughness. He really went up there for rebounds, and I think I noticed it more in the second game, but really, really excited for how he played. Yeah, yeah. Um, just excellent game from him. Um, I thought a pretty good game from Braden. Um, I don't think it shows up a ton like in the stat book like with assists and stuff because it's not the offense isn't running through him. But um, I thought he did a good job. Just both both ends on this game: eleven points, two rebounds, one assist, one steal, only one turnover, which is kind of the the thing we gotta look out for, especially from a true point guard like Norris. Um, four for four from the free throw line. Love to see that. He hit a three. He played 30 minutes. Um, I thought he played really well in this game. Um, I thought I kind of, I mean, it was kind of rough for Clemens. Just he had a little bit of foul trouble, so he didn't really get in a rhythm. I thought he could have played a little bit better. Um, Lucas played great. Uh, Tom in limited minutes played great. Marquise had a lot of uh, layups over guys, through guys, around guys. I mean, he's just, he's so explosive. Um, I thought Tate had a good game too. Nine points, um, three rebounds, two assists. I think he had a really pretty pass to, I think, Uguak in this one. Uh, really pretty assist. Um, good to see him get involved. He hit a three, which was really nice. Um, I, yeah, I think just solid game, but really good. An excellent game from Uguak and really good games from Cam, Braden, and, and Lucas. Yeah, I think uh, Cam getting that double-double is always great. And four assists, throw it four assists in there. I think that's great and amazing for a guy. He had three turnovers, but I think personally, uh, I, I forget the turnovers in this game for him. But more, again, he's getting double-teamed. I think it was it just, again, it's it just the collapsing defense on him is always going to be tough. So I'm not too worried. wasn't too worried about that in this game. AK, we'll talk about that in the second game. Um, what I was excited for were certain assists that seemed really smooth. Um, I'm talking mm-hmm. about assists from like Marquise Kennedy to um, Tom Welch. There was like that one oh, dropping it over. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there were just passed from Braden Norris, even though I think it might have been his only assist. Um, Keith finding assist. I think that's what I remember as well in this game 
um, really resonate with me were just, again, they, they're the highlights, and those are the highlights you see in our highlight reels. But it was just really exciting to see guys. I think for me it was more watching Mark uh, Kennedy really just drop it in Tom Welch without kind of hesitation. And that, that was really exciting for me because I was like, hey, these guys – feel they can play together. There's no really question. I don't have to, they don't have to feed it through another guy. They can actually like send it to each other. So um, it was really exciting to really watch that. Um, and I think personally, it was just like a cam show. I think he made his presence there um, with uh, Brody getting into foul trouble. I think everyone mm-hmm. played physical and that put Brody into foul trouble. And that really, in my opinion, was kind of a key factor in this game. The toughness from everyone and personally, if I think Brody's final foul, if I'm not, if I'm pretty certain was, was it a Tate Hall take it, took a charge? I think that's yep. what it was. I think you're right. And that just shows you, and even like you said, the stat lines might not show it all the time. Tate did have a decent game, nine points, two assists, but it doesn't show you that he took a charge to put Roman, uh, to put uh, Dar- Darnell Brody, sorry, I keep saying Roman Penn, Darnell Brody on the bench. Like mm-hmm. that was a, that was a play that really, really, um, I was just shocked about that happened, but then I was like, you know what? That we are tough guys to go take, um, pretty much go take a charge. Um, one thing I just want to talk about with you is, what do you think about Cameron Crutwick's feet? Are they just magical in this game? Do they yeah. have like, is everything just like smooth? Does he just dance around a lot before the games? What do we think? <laughs> He's like a ballerina out there. They said that so much, and you know what? I do think that works. But, like, I think he's something special. Yeah. I will say, um, I want to see a couple more pump fakes out there. I haven't seen that I like, yeah. so much recently. No, I agree. No, I so agree. We he's pump, just yeah. saving it. Um, yeah, I, I, he, his footwork is excellent. Mm-hmm. And it, it really always has been. But this season has just been extra special. And it's, it's wild. And this happened more in game two. But when he... He makes his moves. He gets position. And when you just think it's 100%, and he unfortunately missed a few in both games, really, um, that he doesn't normally miss. So I think I think his footwork was there. It was just almost like his feet were ahead of his hands a little bit. On, on some position. On some, yeah, he was 5 for 10. So, yeah, he did take a lot. And I agree with you because a lot of his shots are so close to the rim. Mm-hmm. So Because in this game, he hasn't taken those jumpers. for Maybe he might have taken one just because of shot clock. I forget if it was this game or second game. But I agree with you there. Like, because he gets so close to the rim, he's kind of moving maybe too ahead of too fast ahead of himself. So mm-hmm. it's an interesting point to watch out how he kind of controls himself. And I agree. I, I think we've said this in the last few years. Freshman year, Cameron Krupp used to pump fake almost every possession. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it reminded me of. It's so funny because it reminded me of Andre Jackson. That was Andre Jackson's. That was his motto: pump fake until you die. Because that's how he would get his up and unders. That was how he would get to the rim. And I agree with you. I would love that point because I miss seeing these pump fakes because you can he gets to the rim so quick. I think he just helps him and benefits him on a matchup, especially against Brody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the way we're going to segue uh, this first game to the second game is actually we're going to talk about Braden Norris. So um, we had a, a fan of the podcast write in and ask us um, what, what our opinions were about Braden Norris. Um, we've talked about it a little bit, but not for a while. Um, and, you know, th- it was him and a buddy, and they were, like, kind of going back and forth about what his role is and why he's not doing better and what, you know, is he going to be on the team? Like, what what we think he's going to do in the future? And 
should he be playing this much? So I think, honestly, a perfect um, kind of definition of who he is as a player is these two games. Um, the first game, I think he played excellent. Mean, not excellent. He played very good. Played very well. 11 points, two rebounds, and assist. Uh, I, I, even those counting stats, I don't think, did a really good justice of like what he did. He starts the offense. Um, he's a really great threat to shoot the three, so you always have to respect him from three. Um, spreads the defense out. Um, he he's a he's the lead point guard. He's usually the dude bringing the ball up the court. Um, he dictates the tempo of the game, which the announcers loved talking about in the second game. <laughs> Um, but it is important. It is important because that's uh, you got to have your point guard on uh, or connected with with your head coach and like what they want to do. And that's what Loyola wants to do. They want to slow the game down. They want to take 30 seconds on offense and get a, an easy shot, whether it's an open three, a layup or a wide open jump shot. Um, and then on defense, they want to create shot clock turnovers and do the same thing all over again. They shorten up the games. Um, because possessions are longer, and Braden Norris is kind of the perfect guy to lead that charge. Um, he he knows the game. He's like they said, he's a coach's son. Um, he's a smart basketball player. No, he's not going to blow you out of the water with his athleticism, his height, his speed, his vertical, whatever. But he is uh, effective in other ways. Um, the flip side of that is what happens when. Um, you go up against a team two nights in a row. They know what you're trying to do. Um, maybe you miss a couple shots here and there, uh, have a couple turnovers here and there. And all of a sudden, Braden Norris looks like he's not really doing anything because he's not um, he's not skying up there to get many rebounds. He's not blocking any shots. Um, he's not doing anything spectacular. But even on an off night for Braden Norris, he did have six points, six rebounds, and two assists. Um, but that all-important turnover number is three. And that's too many. That's too many for Braden Norris to be an effective point guard. Um, he needs to limit that to one, occasionally maybe two, but an important game. Um, the offense does start with him, and I think uh, he really he really had an off night um, in game two. So um, that's kind of my overall take. But, Lou, let me hear what you have to say, and I'm sure I'll have a – comment back for you yeah no i think my beginning my in the beginning before i even saw a game of him i didn't really watch any oakland highlights i think marquise kennedy should be the starting point guard that's just my take that's just Mm -hmm. what i've i I know and it's also a bias because i like marquise kennedy i think he's tougher to the rim i think he's more explosive and athletic um though i did appreciate in the last few games the first game you saw us kind of break the press a little bit better with him, with um, Braden Norris uh, hold, holding down the ball. Um, there were a few mistakes, and I think, like you said, a point guard has only room to make one or two. The, once you get to the three, it's like, hey, there, there's an issue. Um, again, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. I think his shooting is what he's good for. I don't think we for, – for a team that shoots a lot, and it, that's one of the things I will talk about in this game, for some reason we sh- decided to take like four threes in a row – and mm-hmm. miss them all. Um, and it's like, okay, well, well, is is Braden going to take the shot? He's not. So I think the way Braden Norris fits for me is that if he's not having the shot of his life in certain situations, he's got to find people the ball. Um, he's got to make the space. Um, but then again, is 
I think in the second game, it was weird to see that Braden Norris played 39 minutes and Marquise Kennedy played 30. So um, you saw, in my opinion, down the stretch, though, a lot more uh, Marquise Kennedy than you did uh, Braden Norris. If I'm pretty sure down the stretch, the starting lineup was Marquise, Lucas, Cam, Ahir, and Keith, or was it? I, I forget who down the stretch it was. They would um, they were subbing a little bit. Like Keith would come in for defense occasionally, and Braden. Okay. But coach wanted Braden bringing up the ball. Like as yeah, so that's could. the thing. He Braden brought up the ball, but Braden is seems to be the ball general um, with bringing up the ball. We're, we look a little bit better um, with the the press break again. That great highlight mm-hmm. in the first game. We forgot to mention that pretty much touchdown pass. But this uh, for Braden, I think anyone can get mad at that layup drive. I was mad just because I didn't think it was the best not shot that he could have taken. I think he could have taken better shots. But then he's not afraid then to shoot the three, which in my opinion should have counted down their stretch. Yeah. So I think he's not afraid to take the shots. I think it was just bad that he got stuffed. Um, I think two for seven isn't great. I think 0 for three from three when you're a three-point special isn't great either. Uh, But he he had six rebounds. Like a little guy went up for the ball. So, again, I just think it was one of his off nights. To ask that question was just bad timing, I think. I think the first game is great. I'm also not a huge Braden Norris fan, meaning not meaning I don't think he's a good player. I just think I'd rather see Marquise Kennedy in the starting spot. That's what I'm saying. Not I'm not saying he shouldn't play. I'm just saying I'd rather one person start over the other. But again, Braden Norris played 39 minutes and Marquise Kennedy played 30. So they both played starter minutes there. So again, I think it was just a tough game overall as a team. I'm going to save my point for a general discussion about what I really think the reason for the result. I don't think it comes down to one player. I don't think, think it comes down to one possession. Um, it's a team game, as like we're always saying. Again, we're lucky that it didn't really impact us in the rankings. I think it, if we won the game, it could impact us in improving. But we're blessed and lucky that we're stuck at 22, and I think we can move forward from there. But Braden Norris, tough game. Uh, the, a great hearing questions from uh, listeners. Um, so, we'll, well, again, I don't think this will be the last of us discussing Braden yeah, Norris I, I as a want- point guard for this team. I actually want to talk about him just a little bit more, just because okay. I think they meant more of like uh, in general, like what, like what is he doing? Like what is his role? What, you know, like what does he bring to the team? Um, okay. And I just thought that these two games are a good example of like kind of a, ba- a good game and a bad game for him. Um, but I think we also have to remember he's only a sophomore. This is only his second yep. year of eligibility. Yeah. Him and Marquise, I think, complement each other actually really well i get your point 100 percent. marquise kennedy should be given every opportunity to be the starting point guard because he is a more talented basketball player i don't think i mean maybe Braden norris will tell you differently but i think if you got the honest answer from a lot of the guys and a lot of the coaches they would tell you marquise kennedy is more talented um but they complement each other really well because they are very very different basketball players um Braden norris is a shooter he's a smart basketball player um, he's not, uh, he's, he shouldn't, uh, make too many mistakes. Um, or Marquise Kennedy is an athlete. He is out there competing. He's going to take you one-on-one. He's going to take it personally when someone scores on you, or uh, when someone scores on him, Marquise Kennedy is a better defender. Um, but they, they work really well together. You wouldn't want two Braden Norris's on the court together. You probably wouldn't really want two Marquise Kennedy's on the floor together. I mean, I, maybe we would, but the point is, like, you want a well-rounded basketball team because there is going to be times when you want a more athletic guard who might make some mistakes here and there but can defend. And there are going to be times when you just want a smart basketball player who can shoot the three-point well and shoot well from free throw. 
Um, so there's different uh, roles and different times for different players. Um, I think Braden is going to get better. I think he's going to get smarter. I think he'll probably get tougher. Um, the Valley is notorious for being tough defensively, and I don't think Braden's there yet. I think this is his first year. I think he's getting it kind of under his belt, um, and I, I think he's going to get tougher. But I, I also think that um, you know we might still see some games like this from 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 him in the future. He's not a perfect basketball player, and I think he's a really really good role player. And I think that's kind of his ceiling is to be an either a, a really good role player or or an excellent role player. And I think that's kind of just what realistically what he's going to be. Um, Lou, do you have any like thoughts like what what you hope from Braden Norris over the next couple of years? Yeah, what I hope is he technically could have four more years, uh, or mm-hmm. sorry, three more years with us, because um, this would be second year. But again, as I, you think about it too, we compare him to Marquis Kennedy. Kennedy had one year at Valley Play. This is Braden's first year playing Valley Play. He, yeah, he played what Summit Horizon League. Yeah, they're D one competition, but it's a different level. Um, I think the teams are a little bit different. Uh, so I think we're also kind of expecting. For Braden, and again, this is for me. I don't want to say we. Since Braden is starting, I want that little extra stuff coming. Since mm-hmm. he's starting and taking, in my opinion, the spot from Marquise Kennedy. Um, but again, is we've seen Tate Hall start, and now Tate Hall doesn't start. I think we thought Tate Hall was going to be a little bit different than he is so far this year. Um, we so I think everyone just plays a different role, and depending on how the season goes, whether it's statistically or leadership wise or starting wise. So um, I think I forget that Braden Norris has three more years potentially with us, two a definite, potentially three with all COVID and stuff. So um, what I want, though, is I kind of want him, if he's going to be this three-point shooter, that's what we need to set up for him. I think Mm -hmm. we we don't allow – I personally think we just take three-point shots just to take three-point shots. I don't think we've come to many situations where we – have a proper flow. I think we make, we'll see Keith hit two in a row, and then all of a sudden we go on a stretch of just three empty shots. And they were either rush shots. or So I think for Braden Norris, I would love to see him set the tempo and control, the, uh, control pretty much the backcourt and just be like, hey, I can control up here, and then, he, they, and then uh, Cam and Ahir worry about the front court. So mm-hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, I think he can, and we will we'll be able to do it. Again, it's just for me, I want I would just see a little bit more. But again, this is his first year. This is his first year starting. He starts every game. So I think, um, and again, come on, Cam's getting a lot of assists too. So um, I think we're, with possibility, we could see um, uh, Braden control the ball more if Cam wasn't such a great passer. So again, it's just a rare team. It's a unique team. You got... Your big man able to make so many passes. You get your big man able to make so many moves. So many moving parts with here able to shoot a three sometimes. Tate able to hit a three. Luke is able to hit a three. So it's not like we have to rely on one single person. So for Braden to be that one single person, I think is unfair. I just, it'd be cool to see a little bit more of that three-point uh, sniper. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of our thoughts on Braden. And, and we'll share more like uh, at the end of the season for sure. Oh, yeah. And kind of his future with the team. Um, but so we did have a game two, um, of course, coming off that big 27 point win, uh, we came out and, uh, it was kind of the same thing as the first half of game, game one, except the roles were, 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 were reversed. 
Uh, Loyola went into the break with a three-point lead. I thought we came out to a pretty hot start. Lucas hit a couple threes. I think we had an early bucket from either a here or Cam or something like that. Um, uh, and then, you know, offense just became really hard to come by for both teams. Uh, I think there was a, a run where we scored maybe 9-2 in the second half or something. There was a couple, like, buckets. I think a here hit a three. I forget if it was in the first half or second half. Um and I think there was maybe a, a bucket by Marquise. Um, and then it kind of all fell apart. I think there was like 10 minutes left, and we were up nine, I think. Um, and Drake scored. I think they got a stop on defense. They scored. They pre- pressured us. Um, we inbounded the ball, came through it away. They hit a quick three, and all of a sudden they're only down four or five. Five. A four, four. There, yeah, it, it brought the lead to four, and we just couldn't score. I mean, we really just struggled to score the basketball. A couple times, Cam had beautiful moves and just couldn't finish. Uh, really, <laughs> really, really frustrating to see because um, he makes those shots ninety-eight percent of the time, um, and then we we took a couple, I think, ill-advised threes. And Cam went one for two from the free throw line a couple different times, and all of a sudden it's a one point lead. Or, well, then it was a it was a four point lead, and Drake hits this crazy wild the, the Brody passed it to the corner where nobody was, and all of a sudden Tremel Murphy's there, and he rises up and hits a shot with the shot clock buzzer going off. Absolutely hell of a shot. I, nothing I can say about the shot. The rest of the play suspect i don't know how brody knew he was there i really think he i think the ball would have gone out of bounds nine times out of ten there um but i gotta hand it to drake they we we went to overtime and they won the basketball game um you know we we only i think the statistic was that from like 10 minutes left in the game i think we only scored like 11 points and and that's including overtime um, Drake really didn't score that many more than us in that time, but uh, it was enough. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, we lost the game by one point in overtime. Um, for Drake, Tremel Murphy had 17 points, three huge blocks. Um, he's a beast. Tremel Murphy is going to be at least second team All Valley. Um, so I don't know. I I was sad. I, I know, Lou, you're going to talk about it a little, and I'll give the floor to you in a second here, but it was sad. I I really thought this team was going to win this game. I thought they were going to figure it out. I thought they were going to find a basket. I thought they would have done it right before regulation. They got stops. They got awesome defensive stops every uh, possession, it seemed like. I don't, you know, like their defense was excellent, Um they had chance at the end of regulation. They couldn't find it. They had, I think, three chances at the end of overtime to score a bucket. And Raiden Norris got blocked. Marquise Kennedy got blocked. And then they, they couldn't get a shot up uh, with a few seconds left. So I was sad. It was, it was uh, a big bummer. But I think that this team is going to come back stronger from, from it. They have to. There's no other option. So, Lou... What take take me through what, what you were thinking throughout the game and, and shortly afterward. 
Yeah, I think this is because again it wasn't it didn't end up in our favor. People are gonna go to one play, the 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 moving pick on Cam that missed. Then we've um, nulled uh, Braden's three like that. That we could really go into all of those situations. And I think my opinion is that's all just BS right now. It comes down to one stat line, and people are like, "Oh, it's, is it always the stats?" And yeah, it's gonna come down to this one stat line for me. And it's the fact that we had 19 turnovers in the entire game. 19 turnovers. And people are saying, oh, it's such a defensive battle. We all had probably bad turnovers. Drake had eight. So just, just want to like put it. Granted, we played Drake, I think, great defense. I'm not saying our defense did anything bad there. Drake turning the ball over doesn't mean we didn't have a good defense. But we, I think, also played into some of those turnovers. Drake was a player that was really physical and really great. But there were definitely possessions and times where the turnovers happened. And if we want to just talk about how impactful turnovers can be, uh, there was uh, the 740-40 mark in the second half. We were up by 10 points. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, within the next three possessions, we turned the ball over three straight times. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that allowed Drake to uh, bring it within 42-40. to 40. Um, and then finally we made our next bucket after three minutes. So within three minutes, it's not that we uh, really brought, we just, we turned the ball over and gave it to them. Um, so, and we had an Ahir turnover. We had an, uh, we had a, a Cam turnover and a Ahir turnover. So just not really good, consistent ball going there. But again, is I'm, I'm just going to null and void even just the fact that we could say it was around th- only those three minutes. No, 19 turnovers took over the entire game. We had as many turnovers as we did points in the second half nearly. We had 20 points in the second half, 19 turnovers. I don't think that's a stat you ever want, really want to compare. Uh, I love when I see that our assists are way more than our turnovers, which we didn't get. Um, so I think it was just that's what it's going to come down to to me. We knew it would be a tough physical game. I think um, for some reason we decided to shoot threes that were a little contested more than usual. Um, but I think that's just really what it comes down to. We were, uh, what, 21% for three, 0% in OT and 12% in second half. So uh, I think finding our shot, um, what I really think it could potentially come down to, which is interesting for a team like ourselves that drives a lot, we didn't get the foul call on us that Mm -hmm. much. We, we only shot seven free throws in the whole entire uh, regulation. And then we shot three free throws and made both of them in OT three was more than the first half. And it's nearly half of what we had entire regulation. So it was really interesting. Some now could say, Oh, well, it's the refs are horrible. I don't know. Um, let's be honest. We, we, we know how to drive and I know there are games that we do drive. Uh, but when guys like Lucas go two for six from three, um, that's not great. Braden went over three a here went one for three. Um, Marcus Kennedy over two. So I think I'd rather see guys drive in situations, mm-hmm. um, especially with tank Hempel gone. Like I think there was a time and you saw it in the first game, you saw cam be able to use his feet and do well. But again, is someone could say, Oh, well then they're going to double team him. Well then that leads someone else open. So, um, I think there was possibilities where we could have, um, been better with the ball control again. Um, yeah, someone's going to say cam had a double, double, yeah, and I don't think really ac- single person accolades are going to really work in this game. Uh, people did well, but also we lost, and people didn't do so hot as well. We're, we're going to mention them, but 19 turnovers for me is what's going to stick um, with how why we lost it. Um, if we can get into it, I know people might ask what happened in that last position regulation. 
I have no clue. I don't get yeah. paid. I don't get paid to coach. There's a there's a whole bunch of coaching staffers. There's not just one coach, but there's one head coach. Um, but then again, is in my opinion, it could also come down to maybe Cam should just realize he should um, just take a shot. I don't know. I, again, I don't know. It's a tough one. I think you'd rather be in that situation though and take the shot than be down a point or down a bucket and have to take a shot. Your tie game. The worst you can do is go to to overtime. But mm-hmm. we didn't take a shot, and that's what really just stings me is the, the the no shot there at the end as well. But 19 turnovers, come on, everybody. you got to look at the stat sheet. 19 turnovers just doesn't look great. That's pretty Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in depth just a little bit more on both of those, turnovers and um, play calling. Uh, Porter got outcoached in game two. It's not even close. Um, I, we, I think he just thought, oh, we're going to run it back. We're just going to do the same things we did yesterday. I didn't see anything different. I, I can't I I can't understand why like you said the end of regulation how there's nothing drawn up call a dang timeout he had a timeout left call a timeout draw anything up draw something or use a play you get the guys to the sideline and say all right run you know hammer two or whatever whatever our play call is run something and get a shot up additionally how are we still struggling to break the press. We have uh, oftentimes we have three perfectly capable ball handlers, whether it's some combination of Braden, Keith, Lucas, Marquise, even Tate at times. Um, Ahir and Cameron Crutwig are not those guys. They are not guys that should be handling the ball in the pre- on, on uh, breaking the press. They should be up there to set screens. There, I've never seen a team use screens less to break a press. Uh, it's crazy. I'll, like every basketball team I've ever been on and and had some participation in, whether it's me playing or throughout high school when I was helping out the basketball team, your 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 best friend to break a press is setting screens. You set screens and then you set a screen for the screener and the guys don't know who to cover. It's it's I, it's crazy that they can't get th- one of their three point guards open every single time, not just 90 percent of the time. A point guard should always be receiving the ball on when you're being pressured full court. That's on the coaches. There is no reason why they shouldn't have four to six plays drawn up to break the press. And then when we break the press, which doesn't happen very often, but it does, every 100% of the time, we're pulling the ball back. We're pulling the ball out and setting up our half-court offense. I agree. Our half-court offense is great, and that's what makes us good. And we should be doing that, you know, 85 to 90% of the time. But if you have a three-on-two or a two-on-one, there is absolutely no reason why you shouldn't go for it right away. There were at least twice, at least two times, if not three, in the second game alone where we had three-on-two and a two-on-one. And we pulled the ball back out. You take your shots, you, you drive to the hoop, you drive and kick, or you drive and dish, and and you have numbers. Like it, it you're either going to get fouled or you're going to get an, a, an easy look. So um, that part for me is coaching. Uh, additionally, yeah, drawing up plays, whether it's at the end of regulation um, or at the end of overtime too. We didn't get a shot up there either. I know we had two different chances where Braden and Marquise drove it. I don't have a problem with either of those. I still think that Cameron Krawick should have been given an opportunity at both the end of regulation and the end of overtime. You live and die with your best player. 
he is the best player on the court for Loyola. He has been the best player on the court for Loyola since Marcus Towns left. Um, you give him the ball in the post. You try to get him a one-on-one matchup. He's either gonna he's gonna give you a good look, even if he's double teamed. He's still gonna get up probably a sixty to seventy percent accurate shot. Um, it like you said, it's turnovers. It really is. I mean, nineteen. You're not gonna win. You're you're not gonna win basketball games giving up or turning the ball over nineteen times. And going into the series, uh, one of the announcers said that. Uh, the teams are very similar, you know, great defense, um, can get hot from offense, some good shooters, a couple good athletic players. But the one thing that they commented on that was the difference between these two teams is that Drake often got loose with the basketball, which means they tend to turn the ball over. Well, Drake turned that narrative on its head in the second game, and they and they only had eight turnovers. Hats off to them. Roman Penn had zero. Their starting point guard had zero turnovers against the number one defense in all of college basketball. So congratulations. I mean, they 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 did great. And we have to work even that much harder the next time we go out on the court or play Drake to limit our turnovers and, and figure something else out uh, and change some things up. And that, that falls on the coaches. Um, but I think you said it, it's turnovers. It's turnovers for sure. Um, I, you know, like you said, individual performances aren't really that uh, noteworthy here. Um, I thought Ahir played pretty good on offense from time to time. Mm. Um, I, Lucas, I thought, started off really well. And um, I think he kind of ended poorly. Um, I think some of these guys were tired. I think Cam was tired. Cam played 30 minutes the day before. Brody is a big, big dude. He's like Gage Prim. He's a big guy, and I think he gave him some some problems. Um, I thought Keith really struggled both games. Um, I'm I'm really hoping Keith finds it. I think he's kind of the one guy. I, I'm not worried about Braden Norris. I didn't think he played that bad either. You know, relatively either game. I think Marquise Kennedy is looking pretty good. Um, I Tate didn't score in this game. I'm not too worried about that. I think Keith Clemens is a, is a difference maker for us uh, going into Arch Madness. And beyond, um, he again is kind of a he's a kind of a hybrid between Braden Norris and, and Marquise Kennedy. So um, I think we need him to be better. Um, Lou, what else? What else you got for me? Um, I think this is kind of just an interesting wake up uh, to how we played this team uh, going into Valpo. Actually, low key because Valpo beat this team. So yeah. and Valpo only lost by three to this Drake team. So. Um, yeah, I think the back-to-backs, Porter said it, it's kind of tough to, and I don't know, and I actually didn't get to look at it, I was kind of hoping how the metric would respond, because I know he loves his metrics, but she, Porter said, show me a team that has two back-to-back quad one wins. Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that's kind of puts it, I think Drake is a really competitive team, it'd be crazy to see what Tank would have been out there like, um, because Brody is, I am like... Wow, Brody is athletic and big, and he comes, I think, from Seton Hall, if I'm not mistaken. So I think he's got what it takes to be competitive in the Valley. I'm not sure what his – pretty much what the rest of his kind of time is. But if people don't forget, this Drake team used to have Liam Robbins. Liam Robbins, mm-hmm. the star center now for the Minnesota Gophers, 
who is in contention for top center, which is kind of bogus because there's a guy named Cameron Crutwick who I think should be there. But we're not going to get into that. But Darnold Brody's a junior, so he's got at least one more year. Again, we don't know the other thing, but he really has cemented himself as a presence at this Drake team. And I think even – and that's the greatest thing. Hemphill is only 6'6", but Hemphill plays, I think, big. Hemphill is athletic. <laughs> and big. Darnell Brody, though, he really made his presence now, and I was impressed. Again, I think what it kind of is interesting is we got him into foul trouble in the first game. Second game, we don't get to the free throw line. He's out in foul trouble. So kind of an interesting decision to shoot the three and not force their big guy into uh, on the bench, pretty much. Um, that was a really interesting point, uh, to watch. I thought that was an interesting coaching dynamic that we decided to not drive as much, but I think this is a Drake team that pretty much if I'm going to, I don't think I have a problem saying this. They realized if they didn't win this game, they probably won't see any, uh, any March Madness. They probably see an yeah. NIT unless again, they win March Madness, but this Drake team knew they had to scratch and crawl and fight for every single chance they could get at this game. From Darnell Brody just throwing the ball up into the corner and Roman Penn, I think, making that three. Um, I think that's going to live on a Drake highlight reel for the rest of their time in Drake because that's just unreal. But we pl- closed out defense. You, that's what you do. So um, it's just a matter of uh, ands, ifs, and buts. But I think 19 uh, turnovers from our guys really just put cement what we uh, what we did. Tough game to have back-to-back. I think it's a national stage. It was great to see that there was great. We held them to 51 points. That's way below our average, which I think, again, is number one in the nation for efficient defense. So um, uh, a tremendous outing this weekend. Again, not the way we wanted, but again, we're, we're to go one-on-one against a quad one team like that I think is great. Back-to-back nights. Now this is, again, like we said earlier, this is all on us. We are in the driver's seat for the last three games of the regular season. This is all on us. Um, this is what we, these, the least past two games mean more than I think we realize. And it's just going to be mm-hmm. important how we focus again. We only got one game this next week. I, this is weird to have a weekend without games, mm-hmm. but we only have one game this week, but these Drake games, I think were a hard fought series. Um, I'm not going to get into the chirping at the end. I'm not going to get into any of that. I like seeing grit personally. I like seeing us have a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Lo and behold, people, you think this Drake team's going to go away? Sad to say, Darren Dravis's son, the head coach of Drake, his son's a top 100 recruit. You know who else was a top 100 recruit? A.J. Green. So I'm not saying they're the same thing, but this Drake team is ready to go for the next few years with us. And quite honestly, I think having a competition like this, this rivalry, only boosts the Valley's competition level better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm excited for it. Um it just is funny. I have to make a comment. We did blow them out by 27 points in the first game. So that's all I just got to say. Mm-hmm. It is funny. Again, they're not Illinois State, so they're not the scum of the earth, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I love this rivalry. Um, that's the great series. That's all I got. So here's the I, my last kind of point. It's kind of more like putting stuff into perspective. Um, you go back to our Final Four year. Our rival was Illinois State that year. I mean, those games were nasty and mean and yeah, physical. Yeah, that was... That was that that was the year after they got snubbed for yes. March March Madness, was that so, not? So yeah, yeah, yes. So then so then that year we had that rivalry, right? Right. Where like Illinois State fans were like, Oh, who's this? Like, oh, they're just they're the newcomer, like they're they're not gonna do anything and and then um, you know, obviously we did what we did. Um the next year uh was the year we tied for first place and we tied with Drake. And those games were mean and bad, and we blew them out one game. And um, uh, and they had I was was yeah, Lee, 
No, it wasn't Robbins. Who was the center before Robbins? Oh my gosh. Anyway, they had Robbins a big... would have been a freshman then. So yeah. Uh, I thought they had anyway. I thought they had someone else who was the defensive player of the year that year. Um, I'll, I'll be looking it up. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. So, but yeah. So that year we had that r- rivalry, and then we also like the games against Bradley were tough too. Because yeah, Bradley, I'd say that Bradley was that year, in my opinion. Bradley, Missouri State. Because let's be honest, that was the year Missouri State had all their transfers. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. last year at Northern Iowa again, it's like you know we're one and two. Those both those games go to overtime. Northern Iowa fans, although I actually kind of respect Northern Iowa fans personally, <laughs> um, I think they know good basketball, but. Um, point being, like, those games are tough. Um, and then same thing with Bradley that year. I mean, Bradley's always been good. And now this year, it's like, oh, this Drake rivalry is so good and so heated. And um, I was reading, a, um, the reporter for Indiana State was saying one of his top five memories of covering the team is beating us this year. It, it like, I'm just trying to put things into perspective of how crazy that is, that, like, we are the top thought of, of like, any Valley team as far as like rival or toughest game or most important game. And like, that's just damn cool. Like, I don't know how else to say it other than like, yeah, you could say like we're living rent free or whatever you want to call it, but we are, we are. Yeah. It's just cool that we have all of the, and then, you know, you'd even say Valpo, uh, even though we, we've kind of, besides our, they're new, they're new, they're new, they're new. But, like, I know Velpo fans don't like us. So it's just kind of, I don't know, it's kind of fun that we've kind of developed all these rivalries really quickly. Yeah, I think personally, I so Nick McGlynn, by the way, that's the guy from Drake Nick who McGlynn. got hurt. Oh my gosh, yeah, 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 yeah. And we, I don't know how we could forget about him. He could easily. He um, and Brady Ellenson, that was the other two guys from that year. Yeah. But let's be honest, final four year was Illinois State because I think Illinois State was what was supposed to maybe take over Wichita and all that. But then Brad, then um, then Bradley kind of stepped up. Um, Drake, the 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 Drake tie with us that was D- uh, Darren's first year as head coach. So I yeah. don't think that we really knew what Drake team was going to be. Um, then last year uh, we 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 got snubbed at Drake. Um, Liam Robin showed up, but again, still Bradley in my opinion. A- and, and then Northern AJ Iowa. Green. Well, no, yeah. and then AJ Green. So Bradley and AJ Green. So it is kind of crazy. I think let's be honest. So we're living run free, but also. We're the ones who entered the final four. We're the most recent. We're the most recent Wichita. It, it, as much as we hate Wichita and I hate Wichita State, we are the most recent Wichita State. Wichita State went to the final four from the Valley. They went undefeated in the Valley. So that's what just happens. The uh, teams in your conference start to kind of hate you when you get successful. And yep. it's just one of those things. And I think I'd rather be hated and get into a, a passionate game then just be have a weak team, maybe. I don't know. It's an interesting no, for sure. dilemma to be yeah. in. Um, I think it's weird to say that Loyola Ramblers were the were the bad team, were the team with a target on our back. But again, hey, we're 22nd in the nation. I'll be 22nd in the nation. I'll take a target on my back any day of the year uh, moving forward. Um, when you, and again, when you, when you got haters, you know you're doing something right. I, and you know what? That's what it is. Each year seems to be a new squad. So again, we'll take it. Um, so it's exciting. I think, quite honestly, this uh, this is just uh, a game in this weekend, trash talk, whatever, whatever chirping happened in the end. It just the guys got grit. They got, in my opinion, if they don't want to win these next three games by blowouts, I think that's what's, I think that's what should be in their heads. It's like they should be yeah. going into every game thinking that if they don't win it by a hundred thousand points, then they they that's what needs to be going on. I think, 
Um, that's what the these game these games that Drake really taught us. But again, we're twenty second in the nation. Thank thank you, Sister Jean, for uh, putting in a good word with the voters, and that's what we got. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you all for listening. I think we're gonna cut this one right now. Uh, it's gone a little long, but. There's lots to talk about. Uh, we do have a game against Valpo uh, this week in a couple days. Um, I think we'll probably end up doing a podcast the same day. Like, I think it'll just come out a week from now. I saw someone asking about potentially doing two this week. I just don't think it really makes sense with um, the schedule. If we had weekend games this weekend, probably. Yeah. We could probably do a short one. But um, I think we're just going to stick to the schedule unless something crazy happens. Um but um, but yeah, I, I you know it's a fun week to be a Loyola basketball fan. It's a fun year. Um, you know we're still we're still trekking on. Um, I think things are still looking good for us to potentially have an at-large bid. Um, like you said, Lou, like it's on, in our hands now. Um, I, I don't think we need anyone else to lose. I think if we just keep winning and uh, either win the tournament or lose in the championship, I think we're probably good. Um, and that's I think all this team wants is a chance, a chance to to return to to the spotlight and, and win a few games down in uh, Indianapolis. Um, Lou, any last thoughts? Let's uh, crush Valpo. Let's crush Valpo. Um, all right, that's gonna do it here from Podcast 63 with Buck and Lou. Thank you all for listening, and don't forget, go Blurs. <laughs>